is not an inherently wrong per se, but a greater level of a movement comes when people feel inspired. It's intrinsic. It's inside themselves. It lights the fire within. That can burn on for years, whereas motivation has to constantly be put new stimuli out there to, to continue it. Does motivation work? Sure. It motivates you to get more rewards. But inspiration can burn on for years, even decades, when people feel that fire lit inside of them. So inspire comes from the Latin term inspirare, which means to breathe into, to breathe life into. So I'm breathing life into something. The opposite, expire, is to suffocate or to die. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Stephen M. R. Covey. Stephen's the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Speed of Trust, which is a particular favorite of mine, and his most recent book, which we're going to talk about today, Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others. In our conversation today, we talk about the changes that have taken place and that are currently taking place that require us to rethink the very nature of leadership and how it is exercised today. We dive into the five emerging forces that Stephen has identified that are pushing these change forward. Included among those are how the nature of the world has changed, how the nature of work, the workforce, and the workplace have changed, and the nature of how Choice has changed because workers have more freedom and choice, and leaders have to be careful to create the type of culture that attracts and retains the best. We explore the two most common management paradigms that exist today, the familiar command and control paradigm, which is favored by many sales leaders, and the trust and inspire paradigm. We dig into the contrast between these two leadership modes and talk about why the limitations of the command and control style of leadership are making it increasingly outmoded and obsolete for today's world, and why the trust and inspire paradigm is much more effective. We get into all of this and much, much more, but before we get to Stephen, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to it, and if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review, give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Stephen. Welcome to the show. Or I should say, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Andy. Thrilled to be with you again. Yeah. So you were originally episode 587. I'll take it. You'll take <laughs> I, it. I, I had fun. See, this time you'll be, guys, almost halfway. You'll be 1,046. So every wow. 500 episodes, we need to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be ready at 1,500. Somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, I'll see whether I'm still doing it at that point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, last time we talked about your book, Speed of Trust, which is one of my all-time favorite business books. Um, again, because I was just so aligned with the, the philosophy behind it. And uh, you've, you've done it again. You've got another book that I just I said, consuming, love it, uh, aligned again very, very much with what I believe called Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others. Why now with this book? Because our, our world has changed all around us, right in front of our eyes as we we're coming out of this pandemic, the, the, you know, this great resignation, great reshuffling, all these things. And 
the nature of the workplace is changing, the workforce is more diverse than ever before, technology, all these things. And a new world of work requires a new way to lead. And so while the world has changed, our style of leadership hasn't really kept pace with this changing <laughs> yeah. world. We're still kind of trapped in the, in the old model, what I call command and control. Right. You just become better at it, a little bit more sophisticated, more enlightened in our command and control. But that, that mindset, that paradigm for leading people is not relevant in a new world of work today. So we need a new way to lead in a new world. And that's the idea of trust and inspire as opposed to command and control. Right. So question for you about that is, is cause you, and you make reference to this in the book is that, yeah, you know, command and control has never been optimal, right. As, as, as a leadership style, let's say, mm-hmm. I mean, is it, yeah, it's hard to change these things. Right. I, mean, I write this about this in my book too, is, you know, this, this set of stereotypically bad sales behaviors that buyers really hate. Yeah. It's like, we just can't seem to get rid of them, even though people know that it really has no value for them. I mean, it's similar with command and control. It's like, because I mean, you make the point it's even the military has somewhat might migrated away from command and control. Um, why are people hanging on to it? Why are they so reluctant to change? I think they're, we're so immersed in it. We're not even aware of it. Is is the, the proverb, the French proverb, fish discover water last. They're so immersed in the water, they're not even aware they're in water. People, you know, right, similarly, right. we're so immersed in a command and control world that we're not even that, that aware of it sometimes. And so becoming aware and saying, you know what, gosh, we can choose differently. It's, it's, it's embedded in our language, in our systems, in our structures, in our paradigms, our mindsets. And it just seems like part of of our of our business world today. So we've got to become aware of it. Another key reason is this, Andy, that we know there's probably a better way to lead, but to know and not to do is not to know. So yeah, we're that still the, the, that knowledge that gap, you know, the, the no do gap is yeah. very real here. And, yeah, and well, uh, I mean, that's where we're trapped. Well, yeah, I was gonna say 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 that quote over again, because you have that yeah. in the book I said it's from yeah. It's Goethe, I think, right? I think it's Goethe. To know, yeah. So it's, and not to know right. and not to do is not to know. Yeah. And so we might all know that we shouldn't do command and control. That we should do a different type of leadership. I'm calling it trust and inspire. But if you look at the data. Ninety percent of people in organizations are still in the command and control. So we're not doing it. So <laughs> we know it, but we're not doing it. So we don't really know it. And, you know, but we're so trapped right. in it and the like. I think one last reason why it's so it remains uh, prevalent is that, you know, old paradigms um, can live on indefinitely, even beyond mm-hmm. their usefulness where we're entrenched in it. Like, just like you said, in selling, the traditional selling paradigms and mindsets can be so entrenched, they can live on even when we know there's different and better ways to do it. And that's how, if you look at the study, the history of uh, bloodletting, <laughs> that's 3,000 oh, yeah. 3, years old. You have that story in the book, right? Started with the Egyptians. In, in a, but you know what? Bloodletting was done all the way up until the, the end of the 19th century. It was still quite common, even though 
for a couple of hundred, 250 years, it had been proven that it doesn't work and that the disease is not in the blood. But it took another 250 years for people to get away from the practices of bloodletting. And I think command and control is modern day bloodletting. It just, it just continues on. It's an old paradigm that still is in our consciousness and, and, and we gotta, we gotta become aware of it. Yeah. So, but two things come to mind when you're talking. One is, you know, based on a story, (laughs) great story telling the early in the book about, um, you know, your, your grass cutting efforts with your father. Yeah. Green and clean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Green and clean, which I love. But the point is, is that it seems like a lot of people get command and control from how they were raised. That, that, you know, as they become socialized as adults and into the workplace is, I would think the influence of this is fairly pervasive that, you know, oftentimes the family structure is a command and control based one. Yep. I I agree with that, Andy. It's, it's, uh, it's what we've seen. It's what we've experienced. It's what we were raised with in most cases, with maybe a few exceptions. It's what we see in sports. It's what we see in schools. And, and so we go through life and command and control is kind of our experience and our model. And it becomes also um, maybe for us, it's also been part of our success. Maybe that's what we know well and we're good at it. And so the idea of shifting to a right. new style of leadership when maybe we've done well in the past with this old style, that's a little bit daunting and frightening in some cases Exactly. And I think that's, to me, that was the second point I was going to make is that I certainly see this in, in selling with why leaders are reluctant to, you know, become leaders instead of just staying sales bosses that are, you know, in, immer- immersed and enmeshed with the uh, command and control is fear. Just fear of trying something new, fear of stepping outside of what they think is a proven comfort zone, even though as you talk about in the book, the zone has shifted. Yeah. So the zone has shifted, but the fear of changing with it is still there. And it's very real. And it is pushing us outside our comfort zone. But we fear, you know, what if we lose control? We fear, you know, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> and <laughs> whereas I know my old way, my you know, I can dictate methods that I know work. And if I extend trust to people and I'm trusting what if they try something and it doesn't work? Um, or what if I'd been burned before? What if I did try it and it didn't work? And so I, I'm fearful of that, repeating that. Um, what if I don't get the credit? <laughs> you know, that kind of insecurities, all kinds of fears that get in the way. But there's no question that it's almost easier to just say, I'll stay with the old model, even though it may not be as relevant going forward. I know it well. I'm good at it. It seems like there's less uh, risk. But the reality is our world is changing so fast around us mm-hmm. that if we don't change with it, we're going to become less and less relevant. Just like in sales, if, you, if we're trying to sell today like we did 30, 40 years ago, or even 10 years ago, we might be becoming less and less relevant in a world that's shifting yeah. right in front of our eyes. Yeah, there's a, a great quote I'd like to use from... Um well, I think it's General Shinseki or Shinsaki, who was a yep. four-star general. And uh, his quote is saying, you know, if you hate change, you're going to hate irrelevance even more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It. I was, Absolutely. Yeah. It's it. It's, yeah. 
it's uh, everything's changing. And so, yeah, it's tough to deal with change and there's fear, but irrelevance is worse. All right. So let's talk about trust and inspire. So command and control, which I agree hundred percent. And yeah, I, I really deal with that issue in, in my book as well as, but is let's talk about trust and inspire. Cause to me, this is, this is a part that certainly the world I come from is, is hard for many managers to, to let go, to trust. And actually what we're seeing sort of a trend over the last 10, 15, 20 years is sort of this greater push to conformity and compliance as opposed to giving people autonomy and agency to be able to make choices about you know, how they conduct their work. Yeah. No, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of that and, and we see it in, in, in industries and in, in compliance rules and regulations and, and uh, regulated industries and the like. And so there's a push for this and we need to have it. And, and you know, you need to have compliance, but there's a higher level it's commitment that will mm-hmm. include compliance. You know, compliance is just following the rules, which we need to have. But commitment is doing the right thing, which will include following the rules, but right. even above and beyond that. So command and control will get you compliance, but it won't get you commitment. People volunteer that. That comes from trust and inspire. Command and control will get you efficiency with things, with processes. Right. But it's not very good with people. You know, effect, you want to be efficient with things, but effective with people. And if you try to command and control people, you might get that job done, but you're not building the capabilities and the talents. Right. So that their ability to get results in the future has not increased. You're building the dependency and the like. And so it's, it, you know, it is a shift, but it's become a shift that is so relevant for this new world of work. And, and, and um, so while there has been a shift towards compliance, there's also a shift towards increasingly it's a collaborative work, right. knowledge work. Sales increasingly are collaborative. Right. And you collaborate better through trust and inspire than you ever will through command and control. You can't command and control your way to collaboration or innovation. That's got to be come through about through trust and inspire. Yeah, and I, people have written about this. Jeff Colvin and others in his book, Humans Underrated, and so on, is, is talking about the fact that those people that thrive in the workplace of the future are those people, one of my favorite phrases he uses, is, you know, become more intensely human. But what he meant about that is that their ability to collaborate, because work will become more collaborative, is or is becoming more collaborative, this really becomes one of the primary work skills you need to have. Absolutely. And that is a trend that is happening. So even with the advent of of robotics and AI and and all three D printing and all, all these different things, all these great technologies, we need to become increasingly human with the unique human gifts. And they and at the start of this is our ability to work with each other and to collaborate, right? And and to innovate through that. And and again. You won't see that emerge out of a command and control model, which is a thing paradigm versus a trust and inspire model, which is a people or human paradigm. Right. And that's why, you know, it's interesting. Today, we have all the technology tools we need to collaborate. We have the technology. The question is whether or not we have the trust needed to collaborate. Because if you think about it, in a very real sense, trust is the ultimate collaboration tool, even more than the technology. Right. Oh, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, I, uh, 
Well, I was going to ask a question that's a little off base, though, but I just wondering because, you know, you've have done a lot of research, you know, with yeah. your organization, with Franklin Covey, a lot of research is being done as is. Is there any work done to, about how do we measure and sort of quantify perhaps, you know, what we're missing when we don't collaborate? Um, you know, what we're missing when we you know, focus on efficiency, let's say, versus effectiveness, which is a huge one I talk about all the time in selling is, mm-hmm. is it's, it's really at the end of the day, it's all about effectiveness is, and especially sort of compounded by what happened in the pandemic the last couple of years, you know, is, is a lot of times you'll see leaders sort of wishfully thinking out loud is like, well, I, I think we've lost something with innovation. I think we've lost something with collaboration uh, by not being together, but no one really knows for certain. Yeah. And I was wondering if you guys, you know, through your research have found anything that sort of says, you know, for leaders, because I think that begins to inform <laughs> some of the style is, yeah. Is there something that really was missing during these last two years? Yeah. Now I think it's the really important questions you're asking and we're trying to learn this. And, and I will say this, that, that, um, um, we become very good at measuring the cost of maybe, let's say, for example, of trusting too much and being wrong. You know, you might say you could be too, too trusting, but we're not mm-hmm. very good at all at measuring the cost of not trusting enough, and and mm-hmm. and what that does. You know, so we're we're really good at minimizing the the risk, but are we equally right. as good at maximizing the possibility? And the opportunity right. no. and recognizing that. And that's where there's huge opportunity. And so be understanding that, that when we're not collaborating, we are leaving enormous value on the table. Our performance is nowhere near our potential. But we become better mm-hmm. at re- recognizing, at measuring when it doesn't work, but not good at measuring of what we're leaving on the table, what we're giving what we up. Missed. And we've got to become right. better at that. Yeah. So that we're balancing in this and we're not just focusing on minimizing the risk. How about maximizing all that can go right? Right. Huh. So I I love that that. question. So, yeah, a couple of the other contrasts you draw between command control and a trust-inspire style or meta style, as you refer to it, is, is, and this is one, you know, people hear about in selling all the time is, you know, it's a manager's job to motivate sellers. But, you know, that extrinsic motivation is really more of a command and control as opposed to inspiring people. Yeah, this is a big shift that's that's needed. Daniel Pink, others have written about this, but the whole world, everything is going towards inspiration as opposed to just motivation. Nothing wrong with being motivated, it's a good thing, but you tend to need to have external stimuli to do it. You know, carrot mm-hmm. and stick, rewards. Right. And, and that's heavy sales has been around oh, yeah. built around that model. Care yeah. of stick, and there's nothing. Yes, there's nothing inherently wrong per se, but a greater level of 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 uh, movement comes when people feel inspired. It's intrinsic. It's inside themselves. It, it lights the fire within. That can burn on for years, whereas motivation has to constantly be refueled and re, you know has mm-hmm. to be put new stimuli out there to, to continue it. Does motivation work? Sure. It motivates you to get more rewards, but inspiration can burn on for years, even decades, when people feel that fire lit inside of them. 
So inspire comes from the Latin term inspirare, which means to breathe into, to breathe life into. Mm-hmm. So I'm breathing life into something. The opposite, expire, is to suffocate or, or to die. Yeah. And so when, you know, you're suffocating and dying when you're not inspiring. And people want to be inspired, not just motivated. People don't want to be managed. They want to be led. Right. And you touch on this in the book is is that increasingly younger generations, much more so the case. Much more so these Gen Z millennials, their starting point, they're looking for inspiration. They're, you know, some have called it the purpose generation. You know, but but I, I find it's not just them. Every generation wants to be inspired. We, we, we we're, we're craving for it. And we're, we're in a world that's dangerously low in inspiration. And so I'm trying to separate motivation and inspiration mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, you can motivate through command and control, carrot and stick. But what really will inspire people is you see them as whole people, body, heart, mind, spirit, not just as economic beings. So yes, they want to be paid, but they also want to connect with their heart and they want to contribute with their mind and they want to make a difference mm-hmm. and matter. What matters to people is mattering. And and the more you can tap into that and tap into inspiration, that's where, to use the Wayne Gretzky metaphor, where he was asked, what makes you so great at hockey? He says, I skate to where the puck is going to be, be. not to where it's been. The puck is going towards inspiration. I think it's even the new frontier of engagement. The next level of engagement is inspiration. And so if we can, as sales leaders, inspire our people, not just motivate them, that will move us to a new frontier of, of both well-being for the, our people, but also greater productivity, greater sales, because they'll, they'll perform better when they're inspired. Well, I, to me, I, I also see a level of, of sort of even peer-to-peer collaboration, right? Yeah. Is, is <clears throat> uh, Anne Latham in her book about the power of clarity last year is talking about, you know, we're no longer knowledge workers, we're interaction workers, and, you know, per what Dan Pink talked about in To Sell as Human is, is most of us who are interaction workers, we achieve our goals by working with and through other people. And so we need to be able to inspire our peers and the people we work with as well. Absolutely. It doesn't recognize a hierarchy or positioning. Work gets done with and through other people. And it's in this interaction, in this collaboration. And again, that's where command and control really breaks down in terms of its effectiveness and mm-hmm. also in terms of what it does to people and how they feel by it. It feels transactional. Right. And, and um, you know, they'll give the minimum they need to give, but you won't tap into their creativity and their ingenuity and their, you know, into innovation near as much as when people choose it and they volunteer it and they feel inspired to give it. And then, yeah, what you then miss is you miss that sense of fulfillment that keeps people around. I mean, I think, you know, in the sales world and the tech world these days, uh, you know, average tenure for account executives, sales, salespeople is about a year and declining. Really? Wow. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, it's, is, Sure. Some of it's, you know, people looking for, you know, the next best thing, but, yeah. you know, Gallup, Gallup's research and other shows that, you know, people sort of leave managers more so than jobs. And there's just this lack of a sense of fulfillment 
an inspiration. I think it's a good portion of, it. I think people are looking for that. And part is the reason why they, they're shifting jobs so quickly. Uh, it's a great point. And, and so back on that Gallup data that people leave the manager, bad bosses more than they do yeah. the job. Think about it. It's a bad boss when your boss is, is commanding and controlling you <laughs> and everything you're trying to do. When you feel like you have so much potential you feel different and kind when your boss is one who believes in you, who mm-hmm. trusts you, and who inspires you by how they approach you and, and how they care about you and how they're also tapping into purpose, into meaning, right. into contribution, you know, purpose-driven work, purpose-led work that matters. And that's different and kind, and you feel different about such a leader. And you want to stay with that leader and be part of it. You're working with them, whereas in a command and control, it's working for them, or, you know, it's, it's transactional, it's exchange-based, yeah. not inspiring at all. Right, and you talk about this, one of your contrasts you draw on your table is, is you know, the command and control, they manage people and things versus the trust inspire, they manage things but lead people. So the command and control managers manage people the way they manage things. That's right, that's right. And it's kind of Abraham Maslow said that he that is good with the hammer tends to think everything is a nail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we get good at managing things, when we get good at this, we start to say, well, I'll just manage people in a similar way. We, we, we may not consciously even say that, but it just starts to happen. And when you manage people as if they were things, you know what happens? You end up with no people and lots of things because <laughs> people will move on. They'll go find a better place where they feel that someone believes in them, someone trusts them, someone that inspires them. People have choices and options today in a way that they didn't before. And so while Trust and Inspire never was optimal, it worked. But we left, we still, we had a lot more value we could give. It's just that we never have really measured what we left on the table. But it's becoming more clear that it's not going to work very much going forward. And the cost of this will be not only irrelevance, but declining productivity and a lack of inspiration, and we'll lose yeah. our people. So you right. manage people like things, you'll end up with no people and only things. Yeah, and then you talk about, which mirrors something I, I talk about in my book as well, is, is that when you have that focus on efficiency, on the command and control, is you're not giving people the autonomy and the agency that they need to make choices about how to solve the problems that their, their job requires them to solve and, and to, to bring value to the job. Absolutely. And I think for salespeople, this, this is one of the real reasons why they change jobs so frequently. It's just like they feel this part of the response we're getting to my book is, is people saying, yeah, I mean, I, I know I can, if I was given the freedom, I could do much better, you know, to make choices about how I could sell and how I could better serve my customers. Yeah. Instead of being just focused on. Yeah. That's, that's, that's trust and inspire. Talk about giving freedom, that's saying, look, I want to have some, some autonomy, some freedom, some trust. Yeah. To, I, I'm clear on the results. Don't dictate to me the methods. <laughs> and as soon as you dictate the methods, <laughs> then you become responsible for the results. You, you can't hold people yeah. accountable for results if you dictate their methods. So give them the freedom, the opportunity. At Netflix, at Netflix they call this freedom and responsibility. And in the process, they eliminate all kinds of controls. You know, they don't have mm-hmm. vacation policies, sick policies, dress policies. It's freedom and responsibility. And so inherent in the freedom that's being given, the trust that's being given, are responsibilities 
that come with it. Yeah. And you build that kind of right. culture, but people respond to that. And and they yeah. perform better. It brings out the best in them. They rise to the occasion and it builds the well-being and the energy and the joy. It's a better culture. You're drawn to be part of that kind of culture and you want to stay. If if it's command and control, more dictatorial, or even if it's even if it's an enlightened command and control, you know, so it's better, it's kinder, you bring some strengths into it and some emotional intelligence to it. But if your paradigm of how you view people hasn't shifted, you still ultimately view them as things, not as human and, and as mm-hmm. people, then ultimately you'll, you'll motivate, but you won't inspire. And, and you won't bring out the best in them. And, and they'll, at some point, especially in our new world, probably go elsewhere. Yeah. Too many yeah, choices. I, I, too many options. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I, I, you know, sing about, you know, we're talking about the Netflix example. And I just remember when I was a kid growing up, big Green Bay Packer fan is during the Vince Lombardi era era. And yeah, he talked about what he did as he gave his players freedom within structure. And I always sort of remembered that, right. Is, is yeah, this goes along with having the responsibility. Yes, we do have, a, yeah, we have a framework for how we do things, but I'm giving you the responsibility and people accepted it to be the best version of you within that framework. That's a beautiful illustration of being trusting in a smart way mm-hmm. because it's not a blind trust. A blind trust would be all freedom, no structure, no responsibility, you know, it, all freedom and rights without responsibility. Right. That's, that's going to ultimately turn into a blind trust. In the trust that you give people, the freedom, you always have expectations and accountability around um, the trust being given so that mm-hmm. we can kind of build an agreement, a structure, an agreement around how we'll know how we're doing. And if you do right. that well, then you can really empower your people, give a lot of freedom to them because you have built-in control through the agreement, not through mm-hmm. you having to hover over and micromanage the person. And that's different in kind. And that's when you go from sales boss in your words, to sales leader, mm-hmm. someone who's really a coach. Yeah. A boss is more the command and control, and I'm trying to dictate and structure and, 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 um, and give all the parameters, spell everything out, but I'm not giving people that freedom. The leader becomes the coach and the advocate, the champion. They believe in people. They're giving them a structure to help them succeed, but they give them that freedom to, 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 to do it themselves and to, to use their creativity and ingenuity, and they feel inspired by that. It, that moves them to action better than just more carrot and stick type motivation in the long run. And as you point out in the book, is <clears throat> that exemplifies the growth mindset that leaders need to have, right? This, yep. this, this, you know, belief that people can improve with the application of of hard work, uh, but yeah, you, know, you want to inspire them to be able to make that effort. Absolutely beautiful. In fact, I, I'll put it this way. Good command and control leaders, enlightened command and control leaders, they have a growth mindset for themselves. What differentiates <laughs> the Trust Inspire <laughs> Leadership leader is I have a growth mindset, not only for myself, but for others and in others. For others. I see yeah. the greatness inside of people. Yeah. I see the potential inside of people, not just in a few, but really in everyone. And my job as a leader is to try to unleash that potential, that greatness, 
But the power is in the people. The power is in the seed. I'm just trying to create the conditions for the seed to flourish, to bl- right. blossom and cultivating that. And, and um, But that mindset is not just for myself because I find a lot of good leaders that say, I've got a growth mindset. And they do, and they're learning and they're improving, getting better, but they often don't have that same growth mindset for the people they're working with or leading. Mm -hmm. And instead they've labeled them, categorized them, don't allow them that opportunity to grow and change, or don't give them chances, extend trust to where they're going to develop capabilities and can grow and improve and change. And it holds people back. It does. So sort of last question is, is, so what are... You know, a couple recommended steps. You know, if someone sort of self self assesses and says, "Yeah, I I feel like I'm more command and control." This, yeah, for whatever reason, is how I was brought up into the in the business world. Is a couple of things they could do. Just you know, first to sort of say, "Yeah, I want I want change." Uh, what's a step to change I can take? Yeah, I will say this that. In this book, I highlight what I call the three stewardships of a trust and inspire leader. So these are kind of the actions that flow out of the belief that there's greatness inside of people. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then my job as a leader is to try to unleash that, not to try to control it. And I'm trying to, people are whole people, so my job as a leader is to inspire, not merely to motivate. If that's my belief, then I need to put that into action. And so there's three key things you can do, three stewardships. First is that you model, model the behavior. Mm-hmm. You go first. You be a model of the kind of behavior you're seeking. Don't expect it from others if you aren't modeling it. Right. So model the behavior, model the values, model humility and courage that's needed today. Model um, authenticity and vulnerability that people respond to that so well. Be the model. Go first. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is go first. If I'm a sales leader, I, I saw this happen one time where um, so one of the um, salespeople brought his leader in to help him close a deal. They closed the deal, and then the leader took all the credit for it. You know, and, <laughs> yes. and, and you I've know, seen that. I've seen that. I've experienced. I've been on the wrong end of that a couple yeah, of times. Yes. Yeah. Well, guess what? You just modeled as a sales leader. You're probably a sales boss. Number one. Mm-hmm. You just probably you just modeled to the rest of the sales force. Don't bring a deal to me to help you close because oh, the boss yeah. is going to take credit for it. Oh yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. We, at this particular company, we, several of us that were, you know, top performers said, yeah, we're not, we just don't bring them yeah. on calls anymore. You're not going to bring <laughs> them in if they're going to take credit. Now the right. flip side is what if instead a sales leader, someone, one of their salespeople brings a deal to them, they help them close it. Yes. And it's great. And then that sales leader says, look at what Andy did. Look at what Sue did. Look at this deal. Look how they did this. And they, and they brought the right resources in. They, you know, they handled this beautifully, brilliantly. They gave them the credit. It's going to tell everybody else, you need help in closing this deal. You need help in moving this along. Bring in the right resources. Because mm-hmm. the boss is going to give you credit for doing that, for being smart about how to, how to create business and create value for clients you know, and, and um, close the deal. So, yes, we're always modeling. So it always starts with modeling. That'd be the first. The second... Right would be then that the second stewardship is trusting. To be trusting, to extend trust. And I'll just say this, Andy, that to have trust, you need to be both trustworthy, mm-hmm. but also trusting. And I know people who are trustworthy, but not trusting. 
And as a result, Mm. they don't create enough trust, even though they're trustworthy. And you've got to be trusting. And so as a sales leader, be trusting of your people. It's Mm -hmm. hard to ask your salespeople to go out and create trust with customers if they don't feel trusted themselves. Right, right. It's more natural and abundant to ask your salespeople who feel trusted and who you trust to go out and build trust with customers. Right. It's got to be inside out. So find the appropriate ways to be trusting, including be trusting of your customers. Now, again, I'm not saying be naive and get burned and, yeah, and yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, smart trust. But when you trust people, they tend to trust you back. And when you trust your customers, they tend to trust you back. So find the ways you can extend more trust to people everywhere. I like that. I like Salespeople that. to customers. So trusting would be the second. And the third then is inspiring. That's the third stewardship, inspiring. And the idea is that inspiring others is a learnable skill. It's not just for the charismatic. Everyone Mm -hmm. can inspire. And you inspire when you connect with people through caring. Yep. And and that's your salesperson through caring. You connect through caring. And with your customer, with your prospects, you connect through caring. That you care about them, their situation, their win, their, their clients. You care and they know and feel that you care. Caring. And then you connect people to purpose and yep. a meaning and a contribution so that there's purpose in all this and it makes a difference. It matters. And, and that's, if you do those two things, connect with people through caring and belonging and connect people to purpose, to meaning, to contribution. If you do, do, do those, two, those two things, you will inspire. Yep. And so those are the three steps I would say. Try to become a model. Try to trust more mm-hmm. and try to inspire others by connecting with people through caring and connecting to purpose. Right. And you'll yeah, begin I, to move the needle towards trust and inspire. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, one of the things I, I write about in my book that I think is similar is just that for me, that that inspiration comes from, you know, one of the ways you inspire buyers is by making them feel heard and understood. Right? This is too often in sales, uh, salespeople come in and they'll ask questions to the buyer they're kind of superficial, right? These are the same questions I always ask. So I know something about you, but I don't really understand what's most important to you. Yep. And absent that level of understanding, it's very difficult to inspire someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why maybe, maybe the most significant thing we need to model today as salespeople, as sales leaders, is empathy, Mm -hmm. is understanding. And understanding does not necessarily mean agreement. You might disagree. You might see the world differently. It just means that you understand from their point of view to their satisfaction. Yep. And the test of understanding is, is not when you tell the person, I understand you. <laughs> it's, it's when they tell you, I feel understood. I feel, I feel understood. heard. Absolutely. Right. And that's what, under, what oxygen is to the body. Understanding is to the heart, to the soul. It, it actually just gives, it's, it's like giving people emotional and psychological air, just like, yeah. you know, that like, like oxygen would be to the body. And it changes how they respond and react. And when customers feel understood, they're now very open to be influenced by you. Yes. And until That's- they feel understood, they're fighting you a little bit, saying, you don't quite know me or my situation. Yep. Yep. And they're fighting you every step. Not only customers, I'm going to say as a sales leader, well, your own people. Your own people. Same thing, it's, same principle. It's the exact same motion. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I... I so in the in my book, I lay out, yeah, contrast selling out versus selling in, and selling yeah. in is based on four pillars: connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity. Beautiful. And 
you know, find those are the keys to influencing and inspiring your buyers to want to do business with you. You know what you're doing there, Andy? You're, you're sell without selling out. You're talking about trust and inspire selling. That's what that is. Yeah. No, absolutely. As opposed to the traditional <laughs> command and control selling. Right. Just, I'm, just, I, I'm just trying to provide a lens and a framing. You're applying this beautifully. Oh, I like it. You're, just, you're describing a trust and inspire approach to selling and to sales that is different in kind than the traditional command and control approach that we, maybe we become more advanced and more sophisticated and more enlightened. But the paradigm, the mindset hasn't shifted. And you're yeah. shifting the paradigm, the mindset into a leader, not a boss. We're trying. We're trying. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, and, and your book will help, help with that as well. So um, I, I certainly hope so. And I appreciate this chance to, to share about Trust and Inspire with you and with your, with your listeners. And you've got a fabulous podcast here, Sales Enablement, and you're making a big difference in our world and, and elevating well, ultimately you. people and organizations and society. So thank you, Andy. Well, thank you. And yeah, for people, again, we're talking about Stephen's book, Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been Absolutely. fantastic. Thanks, Andy. Great to see you again. Great to see you again. Okay. Take care, my friend. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my special guest, Stephen M.R. Covey, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.